So we're back for another episode of the Fried Egg Podcast, and this week we're really excited to have a PGA Tour player and golf course architecture fanatic Zach Blair on the podcast. Uh, Zach is heading into his third year on the PGA Tour, um, and he is also, you know, has aspirations of building his own golf course, which is going to happen called the Buck Club. So he, you know, kind of fits perfectly with what the fried eggs all about um pga tour talk and architecture so zach thanks for coming on yeah no problem thanks for having me um so you know with the with you in a lull here um with the pga tour season kind of you know in the silly season what are you doing these days to keep yourself busy i mean honestly right now just kind of uh taking care of uh regular stuff in life you know uh getting ready for the holidays uh shopping a little bit and uh, just kind of hanging out with family and friends but um getting ready to get get it back going so excited about that cool so what's the what's the golf season like in utah these days like in in november and december is it kind of non-existent I mean, you know, up until two or three weeks ago, it was actually pretty nice. I mean, it was around 60 degrees, which is, I think, pretty seasonably warm um, for around here. But uh, it's snowing now, so not too much golf here at the moment. But uh, that's kind of nice to be able to get a break from it. Mm -hmm. Do you kind of try and stay sharp with a winter? uh, Do they have, like, winter facilities or anything there? Yeah, we just live right down the road from uh, BYU, so, um, you know, when I want to go practice, I kind of just hop in there at the uh, indoor practice facility with the golf team out there at Brigham Young, so that's pretty nice to have um, when I need it. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's nice that you're right by uh, old stomping ground. So I, yeah, exactly. Know, love to hear a little bit about, you know, your story, Um about how you got into golf. I know, you, you know, your father had a big influence into that. And, um, you know, going from college, um, you're one of the, you know, rare guys that earned a PGA Tour card in less than a year. So I'd love to hear a little bit about uh, your journey to the PGA Tour and how you got started in golf. Yeah, I mean, like you said, uh, my dad was a big uh, influence in my in my life and in, you know, golfing with um, – with everything going on, I kind of just followed him around. Um, he let me kind of caddy and stuff like that in, uh, you know, section Utah section events or state opens and stuff. So I just kind of followed him around and just, you know, like a lot of kids do, just tried to copy their dad. And uh, so that worked out and kind of uh, took a liking to it. Maybe, um, you know, sometime in junior high or close to high school is when I really uh, – you know, thought about doing it seriously. I mean, I'd been around it my whole life, so I thought I might as well not give it a try. And, uh, um, yeah, so it worked out. I went to BYU, and like you said, I, I was able to graduate and uh, get my tour card um, that year uh, following graduation, which was always nice. But I, I kind of took a, a different route than a lot of people. I uh, I turned pro um after q school actually i went to q school as an amateur and made it to finals but kind of had a you know an average tournament i think i finished somewhere in the middle of the pack around 70th or something like that so i was actually just gonna 
stay amateur another year until I saw some of the people um, that finished, you know, where I finished at Q school were uh, getting starts on the PGA tour Latin America um, with how they'd finished at Q school with their status. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I told my dad, um, you know, I asked him if he thought that would be a good idea and, you know, he basically just told me, yeah, you can do what you want, but you got to make sure you graduate. So I had to, I had to go down and play on the PGA Tour Latin America and uh, graduate at the same time, which was, uh, it was a little difficult, but I was able to make it work. And uh, basically, I, I played pretty good down there for half the season. Um, they take a break in the middle of the summer. So that was uh, opened it up for me to be able to go play in a couple of web.com events. I was able to get a sponsor's exemption into Utah. And uh, I was able to get into the Nova Scotia web.com tour event because I think there was like a hurricane or something that was supposed to hit up there. So a bunch of people withdrew. And uh, since I had conditional status, I was able to reshuffle in and kind of play the last half of the web.com tour season and was able to get into the finals and uh, get my card. So it, it all worked out. It was pretty awesome. Yeah, that's a, it. It's a, kind of a cool story it's a unique one in the sense that you know you stayed amateur for a while um and you know you did it's it's so many guys come up with the conditional status um with q school this week i'd love to hear a little bit about you know your experience going through it um and kind of just the pressure of each stage and and kind of what it's like and and Obviously, you were an amateur, so you were in a little bit different boat, but I'd love to hear a little bit about um, you know, Q school. Yeah, so uh, for me, I had to go through every stage. I had to go pre-qualifying, first, second, and finals. So, um, man, it was, it, it was an exciting ride. I, uh, you know, I played pretty well at pre-qualifying, I remember. Um, kind of made it through that fairly easy. And then first stage, I got off to, I mean, just a horrendous start. I think I shot 41 or 42 on my opening nine. I was just, just like, basically shot myself in the foot coming out of the gates. But I was able to kind of uh, rein it in and have a last, uh, you know, I had a great back nine, I think, on the, the final day to end up making it on the number. So that was nice to get through there. And then second stage again, I kind of, uh, you know, played pretty well and got through, um, you know, pretty easily. And then final stage, um, I don't really know. I just played very average. Um, Obviously, there's a lot of good players there. And, uh, you know, I didn't have my best stuff that week. And I finished like 70, you know, mid-70s, you know, middle of the pack. But I do remember I uh, I birdied my last three holes the final day um, to finish where I finished. And, I mean, that was – I mean, Huge, if you look right? back on it, that was – you know, that was everything because that was what made me able to get into those PJ Tour Latin America events. And it was what helped me get into those uh, – you know, that event in Nova Scotia on my number and a bunch of other stuff. And – uh so, I mean, it just kind of goes to show that every shot kind of counts. And, I mean, you know, it, it could all be different if I kind of just threw in the towel. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I think that the Q School is one of the most undercovered events in all of golf. It's, you know, it's kind of fascinating. You know, you 
see these guys that were college um, phenoms, I mean, that are, you know, fighting for their livelihoods and yeah. know, guys that are on the on the brink of hanging up the clubs um, and, you know, just seeing these guys under the, you know, ultimate pressure is, is kind of, it's, it's crazy. It should, uh, should definitely get more coverage. Yeah, I think, I think, you know, like you said, it's definitely doesn't get the attention it deserves. I think a little bit has been taken away from it now that you don't get right out on the PGA tour. So I think they kind of overlook it even more now. Um, but I mean, it's a really cool event. I know they changed it to four rounds, you know, a couple of years ago, but I mean, those are, those are some of the biggest rounds these guys will ever play. So it's uh it's pretty good. You know, it's pretty fun to watch. I got a lot of friends that do it every year. So, you know, good luck to all of them. Hopefully they play well. Yeah. That's, I, I got uh, a buddy that's in it hoping they, he can uh, lock down full status. It's uh you know, conditional is tough to, Tough when you don't know when you're getting your next start. You were uh, exactly lucky to to get through and and uh, and uh, you know get into that reshuffle. So you know with the with 2017 and kind of the the break. Um, curious how you go about building your tournament schedule for the the year. Do you like to block it out where you have a couple weeks on the road and then some weeks off? Um, do you pick certain courses do you look at you know your past performance love to hear a little bit about how you're how you build your schedule i mean kind of all of those things that you said um i try and do but you know everybody that knows me knows that i play um a lot so uh you know i go in <laughs> the first two years i got out here i kind of said i want to play as much as i can kind of see what courses i like what courses i play well at and, uh, you know, then start building a schedule from there. And then so this year I kind of went into it, you know, the same way, um, thinking that I wasn't going to play as much. But, I mean, I, I just love to play golf, so it's kind of hard for me to say I want to take this week off or that week off. But uh, um, we'll see. I mean, I, this year I kind of have the plan to, you know, not play more than four in a row. Um you know, be able to get my rest. Um, and I, I, like you said, I like to see kind of my past performances and see how I've played at certain places or see what courses um, set up well for me. I obviously, I like any course that's a par 70, you know, um, not as many par fives and stuff like that. But uh, I, all the courses um, under the right conditions, I feel like I can play well at. Um, so I'm just excited to kind of get back out there and get playing. Um, any new stops that you're kind of looking forward to that, you know, maybe new courses on the, on the schedule? Um, I don't know if they're the only new course that I can think of is that I think Tiger or the, um, what event is that? That's usually at Congressional. Yeah, um, the I think it's at TPC. Yeah, the Quicken Loans. Um, I think might be at TPC Potomac this year, which uh, that's my wife's hometown. So that should be fun uh, mm -hmm. to go out there and play that. Uh, Where we, uh, but other than Wells that, Fargo I don't know if there's any new one too, right? Oh yeah, yeah, Wells Fargo at Eagle Point. Yeah, I've heard a lot of good things about that place. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, definitely looking forward to that. Uh, Quail Hollow is always a sweet spot, so hopefully, you know, I can make the PGA there again and uh, 
but yeah, yeah, definitely looking forward to those two stops this year. Yeah, what are what are your fa- some of your favorite spots in general, um, whether it be a golf course or town or you know <clears throat> combination? Um, whew, man, they're all pretty good, but uh, definitely Muirfield. You know, Jack's tournament is pretty unbelievable. The golf course is always set up awesome, and uh, you know the town's great. Um, you know, there's some good places for food. Uh, you know, every week it seems like, but I mean, man, there's not too many bad weeks out there. Every week kind of, you know, does the right thing to hopefully try and differentiate themselves and try and get good fields. So, I mean, we get taken care of pretty good and we play a lot of good golf courses, so it's tough to pick. So what's your uh, take on the new format for the Zurich? Yeah, yeah, I think that should be really cool. Looking uh, forward to that for sure. I didn't play Zurich last year. Um, we had some stuff going on and kind of worked out in our favor. I guess the weather down there was, you know, a nightmare. So uh, yeah. looking forward to getting back down there. You know, they got some good food down there. The golf course is cool, and that'll be a good format. It's, uh, you know, I wish we could play stuff like that a couple more times a year, but uh, we'll mm-hmm. see how it goes this year. What you know, you you hit the you know kind of nail on the head with it playing more different stuff. What other types of formats would you like to see um, beyond just the partner um, best ball or alternate shot? Is there any other types of formats you'd like to see more of? Um, I mean, I I think I would love to see match play. Um, you know, in in an event other than that World Golf Championship, I think that would be really cool. Um, the Stableford format is is really neat i think as well so i think that's another one that i think should be maybe utilized one time in the fall and then you know the one in reno and then like i said i I think if we played stableford twice a year um the best ball tournament twice a year and uh match play twice a year i think you know it would be a lot it would be a lot of fun and kind of spice things up you know instead of just playing stroke play every week because, like, as you know, you know, golf was, you know, built on more than just playing stroke play. And, you know, a lot of those, uh, you know, people that grow up, uh, you know, in England and Europe play match play a lot. So I think it's a, it's definitely a different format and fun. So I think uh, if we could do that more, it'd be, it'd be awesome. Yeah, I think it's, it's just more relatable to the everyday golfer also, because, you know, your, your weekend warrior very rarely just goes out and plays you know, stroke play when he plays with his foursome, it's usually some sort of team format or match play. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, yeah, for sure. So I think it, it brings yeah. a little bit more fan appeal into it as, as well. Um, so I have to, you know, ask about, you know, the golf world buzzing about Tiger Woods' return. Did you watch much of it? And if so, what what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I was able to watch um, a little bit of it. We were, I was playing this little uh, member member guest tournament back in Sea Island, so we were kind of playing while they were playing. But uh, you know, I saw some highlights and stuff like that. And I mean, everybody that knows me knows how much I like Tiger, so it was obviously nice to see him back um, playing. And I mean, he played he played well. You know, you could just tell he was just a little rusty. You know, not in tournament form and uh, you know, it was pretty evident that he probably just doesn't have the stamina right now in his first week back to kind of, you know, play all the practice rounds and the pro-ams and all the tournament rounds. You know, it's kind of a, 
you know, it was probably a pretty stressful week for him, but it was cool to see him make some birdies and, you know, make that run that second day. And, uh, it was nice to see him back because golf definitely needs him. Yeah. I mean, first event back and you're also the host has to be just great. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You know, it was, uh, uh, I couldn't imagine doing that. So, so it was good to see him back. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think the birdies are telling statistic with anybody. For sure. You know, if you, if, it's not like he was making a ton of long putts. He was hitting the ball close, and, and that yeah. does a lot. And, you know, you eliminate a lot of the mistakes, and all of a sudden he's up in the top five. So, yeah, exactly, exactly. So, um, you know, uh, kind of what are uh, your goals now going in? You know, I guess we're in the middle of your third season now, but, you know, going into 2017, do you, get, do you have any kind of uh, cemented goals for the, the upcoming season? Yeah, I mean, um, some of them would just be, you know, you obviously want to keep your card and make the playoffs. Um, I would love to qualify for two or three of the majors this year. And, um, you know, the ultimate goal is to, to win out here. So uh, those are kind of three one three goals that are at the top of my list. And hopefully I can uh, get those done this year. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, you know, win win's a great thing. You know, it's, it's amazing how many kind of doors it opens up, whether it be getting into the Masters, the two-year exemption. I mean, it's, uh, that is the uh, the ultimate prize. Um, yeah, it is. So, it's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. So uh, let's move on kind of towards uh, to golf course architecture and golf courses, and let's start with the one uh, project that's near and dear to your heart, the Buck Club. And um, – I wrote, uh, we've met up this summer and I wrote something just a little bit about the inspiration behind it. But for people that didn't read it, I I think it'd be great to just kind of tell the story of, you know, the Buck Club and where you're at with it. And, um, and we'll kind of go from there. Yeah. I mean, the whole uh, idea about the Buck Club is just to kind of have a really good old school you know, golden age architecture type, uh, golf course in Utah, um, with that, you know, that vibe or that feel that everybody likes when they go to, to their favorite courses. Um, I just think Utah, um, has a really big golfing fan base or whatever you would call it. There's, there's a lot of good golfers here, a lot of people that love golf. And, uh, I just think we're missing, a really truly great golf course in Utah. We have a lot of uh good golf courses, but I don't think there's uh, a golf course in Utah that people from, you know, back east or California would make their way to Utah specifically to play that golf course. So, uh, you know, basically just trying to put together uh this little project and get a nice national membership of you know, good guys that love golf and uh, appreciate good golf courses. And um, I just think it would be something cool to have. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's, uh, I think the, you know, Denver has some good golden age architecture, but for the most part, if you look at kind of from really Kansas uh, West, it's, kind of like a dead spot where it got passed over in the in the 20s 
when most of those courses were being built and all the courses got built in kind of the dark ages. So Yeah, yeah. The uh We got plenty of those here, so yeah, <laughs> uh, there's still a lot of. I mean, I I think that Arizona is uh, is another example of that. They have some really good courses there, but they also have some very very bad ones. Yeah, yeah, uh, it happens. That's for sure. Yeah, but uh, in terms of kind of where you're at with the project, uh, you know, and in terms of influences architecturally, why don't you uh, kind of share that? Yeah, I mean, again, anybody that knows me knows how big of a fan of uh, Seth Rayner and C.B. McDonald I am. So um, those are two, you know, huge influences. But, I mean, anybody from the golden age, whether it's, you know, uh, you know uh, Perry Maxwell, Donald Ross, um, Alistair McKenzie, um, you know, Colt and Allison, any, any of those guys. I mean, George Crump. Um, you know, he did one course and he did it right. And it's still the, you know, number one course in the world. So any, anybody that was associated with that timeline that built those golf courses that we all know about that are so great. I mean, I've pulled things from, you know, every one of their golf courses, you know, the great aspects of each of them and tried to put it into one golf course, um, without it being cheesy or, um, you know, one of those courses that's trying to, uh, emulate a different hole or something like that from other golf courses. I've just tried to take the best things that each course can offer um, and just kind of change them in my own way to make it great. Yeah, that's uh, that's cool. I mean, I think that's the way to go. And I think another thing that we've talked about um, is, you know, restoring these courses to the original shot, you know, value. So yeah, for sure. That you know, you've got Redans where people have to hit long irons into. Yeah, exactly. Nowadays, you play a lot of these places, and it's a mid to short iron in, and you know that kind of defeats the purpose of it. A perfect example of that was I played Piping Rock this year, and there was a new back tee on their Beerits uh, green, and uh, I can't remember how long it was, but I want to say it was like, you know, it was to a back pin and it was around like 260 or 265 or 270 or something like that. And I mean, I teed up a driver low and just hit, you know, a low chaser that kind of landed on the front part and rolled down the little swale and came back up. And I just thought like, how cool was that? Cause I mean, that was how they intended that hole to be played with a long, you know, a long shot in like a driver or a fairway would. So, uh, I mean, like you said, you kind of hit the nail on the head. I definitely want my course to play to the shot values that they were originally intended. You know, you want long irons into redans, and you want, you know, you want short irons into short greens, you know, stuff like that. So um, that's definitely another key point that I'll try to make happen at my course. And, you know, if I can do those things, uh, I think it'll be pretty great. Yeah. So how how did you get into architecture um in the in the first part with you know just growing up I obviously you know a lot of golfers aren't into it I think it's growing but I'd love to hear how you you know got such a love of architecture at such an early age Uh again my dad um you know he was a club pro and he ran a couple of uh 
know, just like regulation nine golf golf courses, um, and he designed them and everything like that. They're called Mulligan's um, Golf and Games in Utah, and they were, you know, they were just little nine hole courses. Um, but he did he did all the design work and stuff like that. So I mean, I just grew up watching him, you know, doing all these drawings and all these sketches, and then later on you know you know a few years back he got involved in redoing a couple of courses down in southern utah and so again i just kind of you know would always see him doing the sketches and you know having his routings and all his maps and stuff like that and like i said earlier i just kind of always wanted to copy and be like my dad so uh it kind of came pretty easy me just kind of sitting next to him drawing golf holes and, and you know as you grow older the interest got a little bigger and did a little more research and studied a little more and, um, you know, got to where I am today. Cool. Um, you know, I know you are a big reader on architecture. So, you know, what were, what are some of your favorite architecture books and, you know, what's next on your list of things to read that you haven't gotten to yet? Oof, I, I'm not sure. There's so many of them. Um, I've gotten a lot of books over the last couple of years The um, evangelical golfer. Uh, mm-hmm. That is a really cool book. You know, if you like CB McDonald and Seth Rayner, it talks about all their courses and, and stuff like that. Um, man, I wish I had, I wish I was in my little library right now so I could read off some other ones, but uh, um, I don't know. I, I can't really name too many that I, like live and die by besides that yeah. book i love that book um yeah that one but I, you know where I, you know where i read a lot I, I just read a lot of stuff online though too just uh just random stuff about golf courses you know I'll, I'll hear about a golf course and find it online and kind of read read up on it and then you know just uh, um i'd like to talk to my dad and i like to talk to other architects just about it kind of see what they have to say so it's just kind of a combination of a lot of different sources where I like to, to learn from. I think obviously the best um, the best way to study architecture is seeing great architecture in action um, at the yeah. golf courses. So, you know, what were some of your favorite courses that you saw this year? And like the other question, you know, do you have any – um, ones that you're really excited about lined up for 2017 or places that are on the, you know, must-see list? Um, for me this year, uh, I was able to get to a lot of lot of good spots, so I'm sorry if I uh, miss any that offend somebody. But uh, I was able to go – a couple of them that were really awesome to me, uh, Chicago Golf Club, and uh Fisher's Island um Yale was really cool uh those are all CP McDonald and Seth Rayner spots so again um you know you can see how much I love those guys but uh man where else where else did I play um man I I went to so many places that I I forget but mm-hmm. I mean, I really loved Chicago Golf Club like a lot. Um, it was it was a really cool day, and just to see that place uh, was pretty special. But 
um, some places I'm excited for this upcoming year. I don't usually like set anything up until kind of like that week before mm-hmm. I'm going to go. But, you know, I really want to see Shore Acres. I've heard that's a good spot. And I really want to see Marion. Never been out there. And a couple of my friends, you know, tell me it's a, tell me it's a must see. So I really uh, need to get out there. And obviously, you know, like Augusta, that would be a nice one to go see. Um, really, I've always wanted to see Yamans Hall, another Seth Rayner. Um, Country Club of Charleston. And then, I mean, God, there's too many to name, honestly. I really want to see Myopia Hunt up, up near uh, Boston. Yep. That's kind of one that uh, I've just, like, wanted to go to so bad. Uh, I wasn't able to make it to the Deutsche Bank this year, so I was pretty bummed because I – I was going to go and check that out. But, uh, I mean, every week somewhere where you go has a great spot. So I always like to go and uh, check those out and see what what each place has got going on. So I'm sure I'll find some some good ones this year. Yeah. uh, Shore Acres is my uh, favorite golf course I've played. So I think that'll be a treat for you. And then – Yeah, I've heard it's good. Yeah, and then, uh, you know, Blue Mound – is a really cool rainer in Milwaukee that if you're there, you should check out, you know, very average land to say the least, you know, pretty, pretty dismal property, but the green complexes are so good that it makes it just such a fantastic golf course and, you know, ultimate template hole golf course. Um, yeah. Yeah. I was able to play there um, during the, uh, USAM at Aaron Hills. That was the secondary course, so that was really cool. Um, that that was honestly one of the first uh, Rainer courses I had played. Um, so, I mean, that was kind of one of those aha moments where I was like, wow, this stuff is, like, really cool. I need to, I need to kind of read up and see what these guys were thinking and, you know, why they did this stuff. So that was uh, – that, that's a pretty special course to me. So I, I definitely like that spot. Yeah, it's. I think it's a testament of. Somebody said to me one time, he's uh, that they said, "Have you ever played a golf hole, a great golf hole that didn't have a great green?" Yeah, probably not for me. Um, I'm I'm big into green complexes, and Seth Rayner's uh, by far my favorite. Um, yes. I think he did a really good job of giving you a lot of pinnable surfaces and I just don't I mean for me at least you play a lot of his golf courses and you get a lot of putts from long distance that you feel like you can make um I just think he made the golf um he just made golf really fun in in my opinion um it wasn't crazy hard you see some of these architects now um they make the green complexes so hard and so challenging, um, which I understand at some courses, you know, if they want to host a major championship or they want to host a PGA tour event, um, you know, the, the architects aren't in charge of exactly what they want to do all the time. You know, there's other people that influence them and tell them this is what they want. And so, I mean, they're getting paid and they have to do, you know, what they're being told. So they're not, you know, in charge of that all the time. But for the majority of the time, I just think the green complexes from today's architects are uh, 
pretty bad if you like Seth Rainer. <laughs> yeah, it's uh they they definitely go to extremes and for you know, sure where they kind of try and defend par for the Yeah, which I I think is stupid. Um <laughs> you know. <laughs> I I think the same thing is is that like they try and defend par that you know, I really believe in the width that they have, you know, started to do. But yeah. sometimes the greens get so wacky where, you know, if you haven't played the golf course like 15 times, you you don't understand where you're supposed to hit them, and that's also not yeah. really fair. <laughs> yeah, so, exactly. I just I just got um, – I was playing Frederica last week. It's a – I want to say a Fazio course in, uh, in Georgia, in Sea Island. And one of, I mean, on my first hole, I'd never played the golf course before. And the first, uh, the tenth hole, the pin was back left, and my caddy was just like, "Yeah, I mean, you don't want to go in the water left. You just kind of want to keep it in the middle of the green." And it's this huge putting, you know, surface. And I hit it right in the middle of the green, and there's this huge hump, like a ten. I don't even know how big, but it was like it was to the point where I had like a 15 foot putt. And I couldn't even keep this thing within eight feet of the hole, no matter how good of a putt you hit. Unless you made it, it was going eight feet away. And yeah. I just, um, you know, for the most part, I mean, there's exceptions, but for the most part at a Seth Rayner course, you know, most of the time you get on the green and you feel like you have a pretty good chance to make a putt, which is uh, which is a lot more fun, I think. Yeah, and I, I think one of the things that Rayner – from my experience was so good at was creating like small subtleties and you know, you hit what you think is a perfect putt and it might not move exactly the way you thought it did. And it, and it just, you know, it drives you bonkers, but it's like these little tiny breaks that are almost harder to read than, you know, seeing a sweeping break is easy to read that putt. Whereas you know, you have a 10 footer and you're trying to decide, you know, is this a, you know, half ball out versus, you know, inside the hole, that's almost a harder putt sometimes. Yeah, and I think, I mean, I almost think some of that stuff, it just goes, it goes to kind of what I was saying. He gave you so much flat putting surface that, you know, originally that putt that you're talking about might have been a straight putt, you know, the year the course opened. But over time and, you know, as ground settles and stuff like that, those little subtleties where the greens were flat, they get those subtle little breaks, you know. And like you said, you know, that stuff can drive you crazy when you got a 10-footer that you think is, you know, dead straight and it just kind of can wiggle either way. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, love, uh, I love flat putting surfaces, um, you know, generally flat. I like a little slope on them, but... You know, some of the stuff that I see today, I just, I, I I can't stand, especially when I read that some of these guys, you know, their, their idols, you know, in the architecture world were, were some of the guys that we've been talking about. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, it's, it's interesting. It's, it's a, um, they've, uh, it's clearly that the, the, the idea is width and then defense of the green is kind of the, the fad right now. Yeah, for sure. Um, so we got a, a lot of Twitter questions, so I, I want to jump in here. And, uh, you know, some of these will be quick ones, and some of these will be a little bit longer. So 
you know, we'll we'll jump in, and the first one's from uh, Kyle Nathan, and he's he's asking this question for a friend. It's, it sounds like <laughs> there's some money on the line here. If Tiger plays 15 events this year, how many cuts will he make? I uh, I mean, if he plays 15 events, he'll make 14 or 15 cuts, I think. All right. <laughs> That's uh, it's uh, I I I think I'm, I think I'm in the thirteen to fifteen, yeah. I mean, yeah. His, his made cut streak is what I think is his most impressed. I I don't know whether what do you let's say what do you think is his most impressive feat? Is it the amateur, you know, three straight juniors, three straight USAM, the made cut streak, the you know wins. You know what? What stands out to you as its most impressive feat? I mean, all of them are pretty uh, unbelievable, and I think all of you know his seventy-nine or eighty wins, whatever he has, and his majors and his you know amateur USGA titles and his made cut streak—all those things will never be like even sniffed again. I don't think so. They're all unbelievable. I, I don't think I could pick one, but the made cut streak is unbelievable. I mean, the guy, when he's healthy, he knows he has the knack to to make the cut and get into contention. Like, you know, he's that good. He's that special of a player. So if he's healthy, he's not he's not going to be missing cuts. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. It's, too good. it's crazy to think that, like, during that streak, his worst weeks were, like, T20. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's just. It's, it's crazy. He's just that uh-huh. much better than everybody else. Um, but, you know, now he's. When he's playing his best and he's healthy, I still think he's just as good, if not better, than everybody, you know, of those top echelon players. So, yeah, he'll, he'll, make, he'll make a bunch of cuts. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, so, this one's from Old Tom. Um, shout out to uh, St. Andrews here, but um, who do you wish to work with slash do the construction of the Buck Club? Um, uh, myself uh, and probably my dad more than anybody. But I mean, if a like if a big time architect wanted to get involved, I mean, I would be open to to working with you know some of those guys. Um, you know, the Dokes or the Core Crenshaws. Um, uh, I would just have to make sure that I do the greens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, this one's from Tony Deer, um, another architecture nut. To what extent do PGA Tour players notice, consider, <clears throat> evaluate course design, and can they explain why a course is good or bad? Um, I don't know. I mean, I only know of a handful of guys really out there that really like talk about it or even bring it up and stuff like that. I know Johnson Wagner is a guy who I've, you know, spoken to throughout rounds. And I remember playing with him at the Barclays this year. And I mean, the guy shot like 62 or 61 or something like that. And the whole round we were talking about, you know, golf course architecture and stuff like that. But I mean, I think there's a handful of people out there that appreciate it and get it. And then, I mean, I think there's a big chunk of guys that, um, you know, they don't really pay too much attention to it. They just, you know, go about their business. And each of those is fine. But um, 
I'm not really too sure. Okay. Um, this is kind of along the same line. Um, why don't you think more pros um, are publicly expressive about architecture? Um, and this is from Drew Nedzinski. Yeah, again, the same thing. I feel like, um, you know, there's a handful of guys out here that do openly talk about it and express, like, what they think. And then I think there's a big chunk of guys that really don't care. Um, you know, they just have other interests, which is I fine. It, I think it mirrors the general population of golfers. Yeah, for sure, for sure. It's um, All right, so um, we, we covered uh, half of Chris's um, – question here which is what courses are on your bucket list um what's your favorite uh cv rainer banks template hole oh man um i don't know if i could answer that because i like a lot of them um i really like you know redan's and beeritz's um I will say, however, the the out, like you see at Fisher's Island and stuff like that, could probably be my favorite hole, though, in the world. I just think it's exciting and fun, and it's, uh, you know, you can hit a bad shot and get super lucky. You can hit a good shot and just have a turnout average. Um, So that out punch bowl, or even a punch bowl in general, I guess, uh, I think are pretty awesome. Yeah, punch bowls are pretty cool. It's um, they're kind of making a comeback. I, I know the uh, drainage is always an issue with them, but now uh, you see more modern architects uh, creating them. I played a if you're out in Philly, I played this cool Gil Hands course called Applebrook. Applebrook, he had, yeah. He had this really cool um, short par four. It was like 300 yards. Uh, and it was like an Alps punch bowl. It was a blind green, and, you know, it had, you know, big mounding bunkers that, you know, protected the front at, like, 260, and then this great punch bowl green. It was it was one of the, it was one of the cooler holes I played on the year, um, just from, like, a, you know, fun-to-play hole. Yeah, yeah. Southampton has – it's a rainer course up in the Hamptons. has, you know, I'm sure – he got the idea from that hole. It sounds exactly the same. <laughs> yeah. Pretty good one. Yeah. Um, all right. Um, so this one's from Buck Walter, and uh, he says, your best finish on the PGA Tour came at a Rainer design. Coincidence, or does a good architect help your play? I mean, uh, I think it's just a good golf course that makes you do a lot of good things so i would say um his architectural features do encourage just a solid you know game from tee to green um yeah we'll go with that (laughs) shout out to buck he was the one who uh helped me get the uh, copy of the evangelical golfer so he's the man yeah that's uh (laughs) probably the hardest book to find and all of yeah, the golf course. That's pretty unbelievable. Yeah, it's unreal. It's uh if anybody can get their hands on it, highly recommend. Um so if the US Open had a rota like the the Open Championship, 
across the pond, what courses do you think should be in it? Uh, well, I I think Oakmont, I think Oakmont and Pebble should be in it like every five or six years. I just think they're extremely fun to watch, and uh, definitely Oakmont should be in the rotation every five years. Um, but I mean, you got courses like you know Shinnecock again, who should probably get it every every few years. Um, you know, the courses like Torrey Pines it does a good job. I think uh, they had one a few years ago that was pretty exciting. Um, but, man, my big ones, I, I just looked at this last night. Uh, I, I hope Brookline does a good job because I think that's a really cool one. Marion did a good job. Um, but I think those, those, those courses like Marion and, the country club should probably only get them every few years because they're just, they're, you know, small and they're probably not big enough for what the U S open has kind of become. But yeah, I would love, I loved Beth page and I love Baltus raw. I think Baltus raw and Beth page should get it more frequently. I don't think Beth page, um, or I don't know if either of them will get them anytime soon. It looks like the kind of the PGA's kind of, uh, snagged both of those sites. But uh, those are really good ones. I think there's, there's, I think there's definitely a, there's a good solid group of about 15 courses. I think they should ever go anywhere else besides those 15 courses. I don't think, you know, I don't think Chambers it should go back there. I don't think, uh, I think it will, but I don't think it should. I would rather see it at Oakmont every year before I see it at, you know, Chambers Bay. Yeah. Um, I feel like Oakmont, uh, a lot of people like watching the U.S. Open there for some reason. It's just, you know, it's brutal. And at the same time, like this year, you saw when it rained, people were eating it up. So uh, I think you can play that course a lot of different ways. You don't have to be a bomber. Uh, there's a lot of holes under 300 yards that they can get rough up and they can get the greens crazy fast and crazy firm. So that's probably the one that sticks out more than any other one in uh, my mind. And then I did play Shinnecock earlier this year and the stuff they've done uh, to redo that place, I think are going to be really, really exciting for the, uh, for the open. Yeah. I think everybody wants to like, you know, to talk about golf courses, but I think the ultimate, ultimate defense anywhere is got to be firm and fast and, if it rains, it, it you know you guys are just too good to not you know you're going to eat up almost anywhere, right? Yeah, yeah. You see it every week. You know, it, it doesn't matter how long the course is, how long the rough is, how long anything is. If it rains, the guys play it well. Another course that I would like, I would love to see Riviera get a get a U.S. Open. Um, and then I'm excited to see the U.S. Open at L.A. North. That's one of my favorite courses uh, in the world. So I'll be really excited to see that in a few years. I know Riz got the U.S. Am this year, so that could be in the car. Oh, they do? Yeah. Wow. I gotta, wow. I gotta, you know, i got to actually get my indoor putting mat out and start, start grinding. You know, I need to get out there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, that, wow, that'll be really cool. That's a really that's a really cool golf course, and I think it's it can be really really challenging. But as you've seen the last two years at the LA Open, it's poured rain, 
the first, you know, Wednesday night and Thursday, and the guys have eaten it up. So mm-hmm. that just kind of that goes to show that any golf course can kind of be uh, can be taken apart if the uh, conditions are right. Yeah, that that place was one of my favorite courses I played this year. It's just there's very few weak shots on it. The par threes are really unique and interesting. I mean, that's uh, four's got to be out there. It's got to be one of the best Redan holes in golf. Yeah, that's a pretty cool one, huh? Yeah. The, the problem this the last couple of years, like I said, it's rained so bad that that uh, you just you can't play it quite the way you'd want to play it. it seems to always yeah. be right in between clubs and so when you have to hit a shot at the pin instead of playing it off the side it just kind of uh takes away a little bit from the hole that's a course where i've talked to a lot of i would like to see that course with no rough i would like to see the whole thing be fairway cut uh because the rough really isn't rough because it just sits right on top um, every time that I've played it. And then it also, it's, but it is just long enough to kind of stop balls from going into the trees and stuff like that. So that'd be a cool course. I think if the whole golf course was fairway cut and, you know, you could probably hit balls that ran out a little and got into some trouble. I think that would be a pretty unique place because it looked like it used to kind of be like that. Yeah. It, 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 if you look at old aerials, there were a lot less trees and, I mean, everywhere, I think, was a lot. There was just so much less rough on almost every golf course. Yeah, for sure. Um, So this one's from Ghost of Hogan. Um, Biggest surprise about the tour so far? Biggest surprise about the tour? Yeah. Um, I'd probably just say how nice everybody is, you know, how nice all the guys are. You know, whether you hear stuff in the media about certain players, you know, everybody has their perception of how people are going to be. And I just think after, you know, a couple of years out here, just seeing how genuinely nice all the guys are to each other, you know, how good everybody gets along, basically. Yeah, that's uh, a lot of camaraderie. Um, it, it seems like everybody that works for the tour is really nice, too. Yeah, part. exactly. Yeah, everything kind of associated with the DJ tour, um, they do a pretty good job. So it's nice to be out there. So uh, you know, he also asked why why the dancing feet when putting. <laughs> um, I I couldn't really tell you. It's just <laughs> how I've always been. Um, yeah. I guess it kind of. I don't really read putt too much, so I think it's just kind of my way of kind of feeling it out. Seeing, yeah you know, what the break's doing around around the ball. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, so then we have uh, a bunch of interesting ones here from Zach Johnson, or Nick Johnson, not Zach, geez. Um And they're kind of like a rapid fire. So these are all, so all of these are based off of tour courses. So okay. best tee shot on tour? Uh, I'd probably say 18 at Pebble. That's a pretty cool one. It's kind of like a, almost like a holy type feeling out there. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, can't really go wrong with that one. Um, best green green complex. Um, 
Well, we, we didn't get a play it last year, but hopefully we'll be back this year. But number three, the beer is green at the Greenbrier. It's uh, probably one of my favorite green complexes or holes, you know, throughout the year. So that's a pretty good one. This is the best single hole, you know, from a you know entire hole. What's your you think the best hole on tour is? Um, I would probably say 17 at Sawgrass, just because of all the aspects of it. You know, you got the huge crowd. It's a neat little hole. Um, it's challenging, but if you hit a good shot, you know, you're going to make it too. Um, and it's kind of one of those holes you're thinking about the entire round, whether guys admit it or not. You know, from the time you get there, you're thinking, where's the pin at? What wind is it? You know, what kind of club am I going to be hitting? Um, and you see a lot of drama there. So I, th- I think that's the best hole we play probably all year. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a great interpretation of McDonald's short. It's hit it or else. Yep, know? yep, so. pretty good. <laughs> um, so, best three-hole stretch. Best three-hole stretch. Oh, man. Uh, 16, 17, 18 at Sawgrass are pretty good, too. Uh, yeah. I think that's a really cool, you know, gives you a chance to score, and at the same time, people – occasionally as well so that one's pretty good yeah lots of risk reward um yeah from die um so best front nine best front nine i don't know god there was so many that that are uh i don't know if i could give you nine the best front nine i don't know if i could even give you the best course they're all pretty there's, there's a lot of good ones so I'm going to plead the fifth on that one. All right. I'm going to assume you're going to say the same for the best back nine, or is there one back nine that's just awesome? Uh, man, I wish somebody would have given me choices to choose from because I probably would have been better at that. Yeah. Uh, best back nine. I feel like I should at least be able to answer this. Uh, man, the back nine at uh, – the back nine – Dude, I don't even know. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't know. There's a lot of good ones. I, I could probably give you the best back nine of a not a tour course, but let's, I don't know. let's hear that one. Um, the best back nine. What uh, what's it called? I can't even remember the course's name. I played it during the uh, during the PGA after I missed the cut. I would probably say probably Somerset Hills. The back nine there is pretty fun and pretty cool. I feel like that's a course that flies under the radar. I haven't played oh it, but gosh. everything I've seen it looks just spectacular. Yeah, I, I mean, I've I've been on the record saying that I'm not for sure. I'm saying it's in the it's in the conversation for if you had one course to play for the rest of your life, just one. You know, you could pick one course that you had to play every round at the rest of your life, I it would be in my discussion for that course. Because it's just, I mean, it's it's awesome. It's fun. You know, there's tons of different holes. Um, it's just, you know, it's extremely fun and challenging in some spots, but you're going to make birdies. You know, the views are amazing. You know, some of those trees in the fall. And then uh, it's just cool. Cool little vibe out there. 
Yeah, Tillinghast used a lot of uh, template holes out there. Yeah, he did. They've kind of, uh, yeah, that's a that's a really cool course. I really like that. A lot of people are surprised when I say that because um, um, I think a lot of people, like, you, it kind of flies under the radar, like you said. And, you know, some people I talk to and say that, and they're like, what, you know, what is it? You're not going to say Augusta or Pebble Beach or something like that? And, I mean, yeah, those courses would probably be in the equation, um, you know, in the conversation. But, uh, man, I had a good time out there this this last time I played there. And it was in such good shape. You know, it played the right way. It played firm and fast. And, you know, balls were rolling, and you could play the ground game a little bit. And I, I think that kind of just goes into how much fun I had out there. Yeah, I think it's one of those places, and you see there's a bunch of them all over the country, but it's a – course where the membership knows how good their golf course is and they don't care if anybody else knows you know yeah exactly they're very content with their course you know yeah being not talked about and them being the only ones in on the secret yeah and i mean that's the type of people that i want like at my course you know what i mean i yeah i mean i've been i've said it a bunch and I, you know i'm not afraid to say it the some of the courses on the like top 100 rankings, you know, I could name, I could name so many courses that uh, that should not be above Somerset Hills on that list. And you know, same with like Maidstone and some of the other courses, but they are. And I think those type of clubs, I just think, like you said, the membership is like, ah, we don't really care. We know that this place is unbelievable. And uh, yeah, you know, that's the type of people you need at your club. <laughs> It's uh that's what I say about Shore Acres is Golf Digest has it number ninety nine. And uh I'm like if there's ninety eight courses that are better than this in the country, like you've gotta be because I haven't found I've played, you know, a lot of great courses. I haven't found one that like I could say is better. You know, I think they're all yeah. on the same level, but I know that it's a lot better than a lot of the courses on there that I've played. Um For sure, yeah. Yeah, but it's sad uh, but true. <laughs> it it is the it's I think it's almost impossible to rank golf courses, you know. Yeah. It's uh, but it is possible. I think you can put them into tiers, you know. Where exactly? Yeah, that's what I was just gonna say. You can kind of put them in, you know, A, B, C. Mhm. But tough to rank them. Yeah, it's um, but. Hey, I, I really appreciate you coming on and giving us an hour of your time here today. Um, you know, we'll uh, best of luck in 2017, and, you know, hopefully we'll have you on again um, after a win or, you know, something really good. Yeah, of course, anytime. Uh, enjoyed it. Thanks for having me. Yeah, for sure. Um, for anybody that doesn't follow Zach, uh, he's one of the best uh, Twitter followers if you're into PGA Tour golf and uh, golf course architecture. Um, I'll put his uh, Twitter link in the podcast uh, page as well as the Buck Club. So uh, thanks a lot, Zach, for uh, coming on, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, no problem. Have fun. Bye. See ya.